Yo, 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 what's up, everybody? This is the Class in Session podcast, the Class in Session podcast. We got a special guest for you all today. Uh, my name is Logan Taylor. I'm your host. My partner in crime, my brother, couldn't be with us today. So, of course, we are sending out our well wishes uh, and positive energy to Dante. And listen, man, we got a special guest for you all today. We have Mr. Jasmine Spain, man. Listen, amazing, amazing, amazing brother. And I'm super excited for the episode that we're getting ready to drop with you all and add value and most importantly, make an impact. So let me introduce you all to our special guest, Mr. Jasmine Spain. Uh, Jazz, Mr. Spain is a two-time college graduate. He holds a number of certifications with a prophecy full, fulfilled tattoo that reads blessed with success, cursed with ambition. Ooh. But there's more. As he tells everyone, the job that he gets paid for is serving as a higher education administrator, but the work that he has made and called by the Most High to do is to serve as the founder and chief visionary officer of the main initiative LLC and as the founder and president of the nonprofit You Good Bro Incorporation. Ladies and gentlemen, I introduce you, Mr. Jasmine Spain. All right, guy. Good morning, Logan. I uh, appreciate the opportunity. Um, first, first and foremost, I just want to say I thank God for you. Thank God for the work that you're doing. Um, I believe in you. I believe in the vision and the visionary in itself. Um, and I'm thankful for uh, being able to connect on the prayer glo uh, prayer warriors global um, uh, Monday through Friday. Um, it's, it's it's been very uh, moving. Um, it's done a great 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 job in my life to not only check myself uh but also an opportunity to improve upon who i'm called to be and so i'm just thankful for the most high for the opportunity bro just to you know just to connect uh and be amongst the brotherhood which kind of afforded the opportunity for us to have this conversation this morning most definitely absolutely absolutely can you just give um a little more insight to who jasmine spain is let them know you know what i'm saying we know that you work in higher ed, but let them know where you work in higher ed, who is Jasmine Spain and different things like that. Yeah, um, just like you shared, uh, my name is Jasmine Spain. I'm a, um, I'm born in uh, Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, which is out in near Eastern North Carolina, which if you look at the Poverty Watch, um, it's uh, considered as one of the top 20 of the Poverty Watch over the last decade or so in the state of North Carolina. Um, I was raised in a single parent home. Um, I was a uh, young brother who had been molested by the age of five. Uh, and when you talk to young, you talk to other brothers or sisters about molestation, um, they mostly think about it was a male perpetrator. However, I was uh, sexually assaulted by um, my uh, my male uh, female babysitter. You know, and so at that age, man, some things get woke up inside of you that, that just shouldn't be woke up at the age of five. Uh, transitioned on my mother and father divorced around the time I was seven years old. And um, as a result of that, I kind of developed this uh, anger and hate, uh, mistrust in black men. However, as time went on, I became a mentor working with young black men. Um, and so I started to, you know, come into this space of being a hypocrite, you know, of here I am supporting black men. Uh, supporting black males, mentoring young black males, but at the same time, not trusting. Um, but I also have my, uh, my matters of dealing with imposter syndrome, dealing with uh, suicidal ideations, uh, suicide attempts, you know, until, you know, um, it reached the peak 
probably back in around 2017, man, where um, I was sitting on the couch in my apartment. It was about to blow my brains out, man. And then, you know, the, the good Lord was like, nah, I got a greater work for you to do. And you know how, you know, Logan, you know, the, the Lord doesn't scream at you. You know, he, he, he talks to you in, in a very small whisper. You know what I mean? And it was just like, that was his time to just say, hey, you know, I got something greater for you to do. My work still needs to be done. And so uh, at that point, you know, I went and sought out uh, professional help, man, um, met with a psychiatrist and really kind of peeled back the layers and um, and was diagnosed with bipolar two disorder on the uh, severe depressive side of things. And so um, but I also use that as a means to, you know, going back to the tattoo that says I've been blessed with success and cursed with the ambition uh, with a clear understanding that, you know, um, that there's a book that I have to write that says, um, you know, succeeding with bipolar. You know, mm -hmm. and as a result of my personal experiences, um, it ultimately um, gave birth to what is the main initiative, as well as you good, bro. Uh, the main initiative started out back in 2006, actually, when I was began working in higher education at a four year institution. And uh, it was a it was a success uh, model for black males in higher education, uh, because like you mentioned about you know me being a two time graduate, I'm also a one time student who was kicked out of school when I first went to college. I went to UNC Greensboro my freshman year. And uh, after my freshman year, man, they, they they dismissed me from the institution. And so as a redeeming uh, as a redeeming story, a redemption story, I enrolled at North Carolina Wesleyan College, which is a private liberal arts institution in Rocky Mountain, North Carolina, um, which gave me an opportunity to kind of give back and invest into my institution from a standpoint of I didn't have to, you know, continue the same behaviors that I had when I was at UNCG, um, being more productive, a productive college student, but also a productive citizen, getting involved in matters that affect our people, um, becoming a part of a fraternity, which gave me access to other black men, you know, black men that, you know, even though I was dealing still with matters of distrust, it gave me an opportunity to connect with brothers who had a bigger, um, had a stronger focus uh, to understand the value of of strengthening numbers and also just bettering our, um, you know, for our fellow man, you know, and improving the quality of life of the, of the people that we're desired to serve, man. And so um, as a result of that, I graduated and uh, kind of continued on. And as a, as a means, I came back to work at the institution, never had really a desire to work in higher education, but, you know, it just, you know, you know how God works, man. And so full circle, I went back to the institution and actually started working with young black men. Uh, I oversaw a residence hall, bro, where for four years, um, you know, these are uh, freshmen males. So my, my residence hall was freshman males that I was assigned to, to oversee and they play basketball and football. And so I was also over a conditional acceptance program that if you're familiar with higher education, uh, conditional acceptance programs are for those students who don't meet the minimum minimum requirements or criteria to enroll at the institution. Mm -hmm. So what they'll do is under certain conditions, they will enroll you. But if at any point you break any of those conditions, they will dismiss you and send you back home. Mm -hmm. Well, um, predominantly of the, that population is black males. And mm -hmm. so within that process, I was going through my graduate program. And so my graduate degree is in counseling. And so I was working with some young men who majority of them play football or basketball, mm -hmm. um, an opportunity to, to establish like this relationship one-on-one, -on -one, but also do some form of group counseling when, I would connect with them together. And so we had a chance to kind of peel back layers to their success. And so fast forward, I started to realize that, yo, 
for black males, and, and I would say students in general, but specifically for black males, it ain't really what's going on in the classroom because they are smart. It's what's going on outside of the classroom that they can't navigate. And so the external affects the internal. And essentially, I mean, you're an educator just like I am. When you start talking about Maslow's and that hierarchy of needs, if them basic needs ain't met, everything else don't matter. You know what right. I mean? Yep. And so uh, I continued on, but I wasn't thinking a business mindset. I wasn't thinking strategizing or how to expand. I was just thinking about my bubble right here, right now. Who can I, uh, who can I provide some levels of influence and impact and change? Fast forward, I get over to Pitt Community College. I put the main initiative to rest probably about in 2017. The Lord was like, look, I need you to go get this LLC because there's a work that I need you to do. And you're not going to be able to do it just in this, this 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 little bubble of higher education. But I need you to bring back the main initiative because remember, I put I, I put it to the side when I transitioned uh, to my current uh, place of employment. Um, and so, you know, going through the process of males addressing issues and needs, we started out um, implementing, you know, efforts to address high school and mm -hmm. community college populations. Now, granted, mm -hmm. this is external of my job. Right. Um, that morphed into, okay, success strategies for a higher education to success strategies for high school students. Mm -hmm. um, and just trying to cultivate that environment to where it went from success models to consulting. So I do some consulting for institutions and schools that want to create initiatives for black males. Uh, so I've been able to, not just in North Carolina, but in Florida, as well as Wisconsin. Uh, currently I've, I've done two bids with them, uh, of just helping them establish from the ground up you know, uh, mentoring initiatives. And, you know, that's been very grateful, you know, but not only that, but also in the DEI space. I operate very heavy in the DEI space, um, certified equity coach. So I utilize those those credentials and that 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 learned experience uh, and knowledge to help institutions and businesses and agencies kind of, you know, uh, push the agenda of equity. Um, and so going back to you good, bro, you good bro also stem from my own learned experiences and lived experiences of just mental health um and understand that there are brothers like myself who have had certain experiences that if we had opportunities to come together and have these deep conversations um that we would be able to deal with certain aspects of trauma at a lot early earlier age um and not being afraid to have some of these conversations um that we're having right now it kind of reminds me of prayer warriors global in a sense you know um we get together every first and third uh, Saturday mornings, we used to get together at a, a Black-owned uh, restaurant where we sit down, fellowship, and then chop it up about matters that are really um, that are really delicate and sensitive to the to the plight of, of Black men. Um, but also have now started to work within again high schools um, to kind of help start that conversation a lot sooner. So, so yeah, that's that's pretty much you know uh, where my story begins and how it translates over to my experiences to not only the work I do within higher education, but the work that I'm called to do outside of higher education. I love it, man. I love it. That's big, man. I think that that's, that's I'm not going to say that that's a lot, right? Because it, it's not a lot because that's the life that you live. Um, I think that for, for me, I think that is hearing how intentional you are about right the the stories that you've had to experience and the things that you've had to experience and how intentional 
you were to want to give back. So I thought that, you know, hearing hearing that, I thought that that was like huge because you're like, yo, I got this LLC over here, but then I also got this certification in diversity, equity, and inclusion. And then I got this nonprofit and it's you good, bro. And then we go and we meet every first and third uh, Saturday of, of the, uh, in the month. And we just have dialogue and conversation. And I'm just like, yo, like that's, that's what people need in the community, right? Because mental health plays a huge, huge part in African-American community, right? Like I know it's uh, somewhere of like 68, maybe 70% of African-Americans in the, and I'm, excuse me, of African-Americans that deal with mental health in some type of capacity, like that's, that's big. And so I think, you know, the work that you're doing and, and different things like that, like, bro, that's that's commendable, bro. Like, I, I tip my hat to you for that. And that's amazing. So tell me, man, what um, what you working in higher ed? Right. And of course, did you go from did you do elementary, middle school or high school before you got into higher ed or anything like that? No, no. Um Ironically, um, I always wanted to go to school to be a basketball coach. Basketball, under God and family, man, basketball is probably my is my my, my third favorite love, man. Okay. Uh, and so I always wanted to go to school um, and wanted to be a basketball coach. Never had hoop dreams of being a pro basketball player, but always wanted to be a coach because I saw the value in it. So long story short, um, I went to college and got a degree in uh, exercise science. And uh, when I came out, um, I was trying to find a place to, you know, that I could coach basketball. And, you know, I was always taught that in order to coach, you needed to be a PE teacher. That's all I, that's that's what I was taught coming up, not knowing that right. there were so many different avenues and lanes to get into the field. Um, well, needless to say, I didn't make it <laughs> to, to, to into the K-12 sector to be able to coach basketball. Um, so I started working in uh, the health departments. And so I went from working in the health departments to engaging with youth in that manner and started doing some volunteer basketball coaching. But in that same process, I started working uh, with STDs, HIV and AIDS with youth to transition to working with colleges, uh, especially student government associations with, uh, for institutions that go tobacco free and smoking cessation. Well, what I did was I was going to graduate school at that time to get a, a master's in public health. Well, at that time, I needed a way to get that paid for. And I knew that there were certain institutions that would pay for you to get an education. And so I was like, well, you know what? I'm gonna reach back out to my alma mater and see exactly you know, if they'll give you the opportunity to come work. Because I saw a job as a residence director. I was an RA when I, was, when I, when I transferred out and became a, a student at Wesleyan. So I knew what an RA, a resident assistant would do. And so I kind of figured how the that experience would translate over to a resident director. All that to say that I got hired at North Carolina Wesleyan. They told me they'll pay for me to go back and get my master's degree. And when I got hired on the, the second day on the job, they were like, oh, no, nah, we can't do that for you. And so I got caught in a situation where I am employed in higher education and, you know, but I can't get out. I can't get out. So I'm kind of stuck. So I never had any intentions of going back to work in higher education. So that's how I started my career out. Wow. Wow. That's different. We've had um, we've had past uh, guests that work in higher education on the administration side like you, but he started out in Title One schools. 
mm-hmm. at the elementary level and then he went to the middle school level and then from middle school he went to higher ed and so i just you know i think that that's that's different right because so you know you get some people that you know that work in education and they've worked at the k through 12 sector and then you have some people like you right specifically that they just went straight into higher ed so i think that that's amazing um and I also think that that's different. What do you think is a common myth about your job or field uh, with working in the higher ed space? Of course, I know you've probably heard a plethora of things and seen, you know, a lot of things behind the scenes. What is a common myth like when you first started, right? Somebody that may be interested to want to work higher ed and leave the K through 12 sector, or they just might want to graduate college and go straight into the higher head, higher ed sector, what's a common myth that you've experienced? The higher ed is not, is uh, everybody that works in higher ed is not in it for the common goal. You know, the common goal in education for the most part is student success. That every person that walks through that door, you wanna see them successful. You wanna see them obtain their educational academic goals uh, so that they can continue on to uh, achieve whatever those personal goals and professional goals that there may be. But it's also this piece that higher education is a business. It's a business. You know, um, institutions stay open when students, it's, for lack of better words, the way we say it, when butts are in the seats, then the doors stay open. So I was talking to a set of students the other day. I was doing a cultural competence workshop and I tried to, I was trying to enlighten them that, you know, the student voice is the strongest voice at a college or university because they have their power to affect major change. Because if they are not in school, if they're not, you know, utilizing their voice, then we don't have jobs. Students don't come to school. We don't have jobs. You know what I mean? And so trying to get other individuals who have those aspirations to work in higher education, that if you think you're going into a space where everybody's in here for student success, that's not always the goal. This is also a business. This is also an entity, you know, but then there's another component to it. And that is, is that everybody is not at the institution for student success. Genuinely, I've just got to be very transparent about it. So case in point, I am not anti any student. I'm not anti any student, but I am pro student success for those from marginalized, underrepresented populations, you know, um, especially black males. And one of the myths is that you think that there are resources out there that are designed or or not just resources, but uh, programs, entities, you know, whatever to to for the success of black males. Because if you look across the nation, Logan, that we other than HBCUs, if you look at the, the performance and the success rates at each of each demographic, the lowest performing are black males. But if you also look across the nation, very, very rarely do you see dedicated hard dollar funding for the success of black males. And if you if you are a data person um, and you into the numbers and you understand the percentages that if you increase the lowest performing population, that means the overall percentages increase. However, there are not many institutions that will dedicate those funds to that population. And I think higher education, in a sense, is still trying to figure out the black male in the classroom. And I'm very intentional about saying black male, brother, because you've got minority males, 
You have the conversation about BIPOC. You have the conversation about men of color. However, if you lay it all the way out, the lowest performing are black males. And I am very intentional about the support for black males in higher education, you know? And so um, the myth, and I use that as an example to say that everybody's not in it for student success. They're right. not, they are not. So if you go in with that thought process, your feelings are going to get hurt, you know? I love that. I love that. I love that. And for people that don't know what BIPOC is, can you explain what that is? Yeah, it uh, stands for Black and Indigenous People of Color. That's exactly what it is. Um, it's another way to say uh, it's more these these acronyms, these terms of are essentially of talking about marginalized, minoritized, not marginalized, but minoritized populations, you know. Right. Yep, absolutely. I love that. I love that. Man, what has been what has been your biggest challenge uh with working in higher ed? You know, bro, I'll say the politics. It's that continuous chess match day Let's in and day out. Let's so, you know, um, kind of going back to everybody has an agenda one mm -hmm. way or the other. You know, uh, that agenda may be to have the largest division on a college campus. Somebody's agenda may be having the most influence over uh, the, the moving and shaking of the way that buildings are built, the funding that comes in. Um, who the external partners may be on the outside of the institution. Um, and some of it may be this. Let's be honest. There are some who are not who are there with their power and influence to keep certain populations oppressed, you know. Um, but then there's also the 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 power. Power is, is a very major component and the chess match of, OK, if I am all in for student success, especially especially for those be trying to be a voice for the voiceless. There's a chess match that I have to play because they won't allocate certain funding to support certain populations. I gotta, I gotta make sure that when my bishop moves, that I put myself in a position for checkmate. You know what I'm saying? And in that position of checkmate, I may just happen to have some conversations that I don't normally have. I may have to, um, you know, sacrifice some things that I really wouldn't sacrifice, but for the sake of the populations that I have to serve, I have to do it. You know. And so there's always like this constant chess match, you know, and it always makes you question if student success is essentially the goal, then, you know, I shouldn't have to play the chess match. But let's just keep it real. You know, everybody has their agenda and um, and they got to meet that agenda, whatever way that they, you know, whatever way that they have to by any means necessary. So and I want to and I want to make this statement too, brother, that I don't want to make it seem as if um, I'm downing higher education. But I'm having an honest conversation with you about the lay of the land, you know, um, you know, most people don't know exactly what goes on behind closed doors. And so this, you know, this is just an opportunity, especially for somebody who may be looking to go into higher education, that, you know, this is the real of what actually goes on day in and day out, especially if you want to be an administrator, you know. Absolutely. Most definitely. I think that that's important. Um, you know, I tell people all the time, vulnerability is a superpower. Mm -hmm. Right. Like <laughs> if you vulnerable, you can you can get through to some people. Mm -hmm. You can really make an impact. You can really add value. And, you know, that's what our podcast is all about. It's about adding value and making impact in the education space. Right. Not specifically at higher ed or K through 12 all across the board. Right. We've had 
first grade teachers come on. We've had Spanish teachers. We have a uh, we had a lady that talked about specifically diversity, equity, and inclusion. That was her job, right? We've had superintendents come on from big school districts to small school districts. And so I just think that it's important, like you said, to lay the lay of the land. But I want people to get insight from kindergarten all the way up to college because it's important, right? We did, uh, we did an episode with uh, special education. So we had a lady that was She's been teaching special education for the past two decades. She has a child that's that's on the uh, autism spectrum, and she was just giving giving game and giving knowledge. You know what I'm saying? And I thought like, hey, that's important because that plays a major factor in the education space. And some people don't know how to communicate or deal with you know kids of special needs and things of that nature. And so this episode, man, like, listen, bro. Lay it all out there, man. Like it, it's gonna help somebody. It's gonna free somebody. You know what I'm saying? Whether if it's in the community or whether if it's in higher education, there's somebody out here that's gonna listen and they're gonna be like, "Yo, okay, I want to work in higher education. Like, yeah, I want to do student success, but I want to, I want to help African American girls, or I want to help Asian Asian girls. You know what I'm saying? Succeed in life and whatever the case may be. So I'm with you, man, all across the board, bro. So I, I love it. So what is one piece of advice you would give to someone starting out um, with wanting to work in higher aid? And it can be more than one. So let me tell you that now. No doubt. <laughs> um, I'll tell you, get you three people in your life. Um, and that's for one is a mentor, a mentor in the field, somebody who's seasoned, um, preferably that seasoned, um, but somebody who knows uh, who's, who's on that path or in positions of which you want to be at some point, you know, um, tap into them, you know, and if you see someone and you don't have a personal relationship with them, you know, reach out to them. You know, a lot of it is just like, you know, with men, especially with men, but just people in general, they don't want to ask for help. They have dreams, they have goals, but they don't have anybody uh, to talk to to help them, you know, reach those goals. And so there are people who are actually in these positions who actually want to be mentors, you know, but nobody's ever asked them. And I think in a very informal way, they may be mentoring individuals, but when you have a um, a legit conversation, a formal uh, experience, a formal relationship, an understanding, especially when it comes to accountability um, and and actually fulfilling and executing, um, that 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 makes a difference. So always, you know, identify mentor. And you can have more than one. You can have more than one mentor. You know, you might have a mentor for your personal life. You may have a mentor uh, for your professional world. But for the sake of you know. Of professionalism, you know, I think, you know, identifying a mentor, number one. Uh, the second person is find you an executive coach. Your mentor can help you with what's going on right now, but that executive coach helps you see beyond the right now. You know, mm -hmm. what does that trajectory look like? What is your what is your ultimate goal and how do we reach that goal? It might be working here for three to five years, doing uh, these different roles and responsibilities. It might be okay going back to something your mentor may have said, well, you may need to do some volunteer work. You may not get paid for it and it's not in your job description, but in order for you to reach that goal, you may need to do A, B, C, and D. Whereas your executive coach can take all of that and say, okay, you have obtained this. Now let's take a look at, you know, what is this going to look like a year from now, five years from now, 10 years from now? Right. What do you need to stay in this particular area? Do you need to move from North Carolina to Tennessee? 
from Tennessee to Wyoming to reach whatever that goal is, you know? Um, so having an executive coach to kind of help you walk through the process. And number three is having you a therapist, man. So we spend more time at work than we do at home with our families, with our wives, with our kids, doing anything that we enjoy doing. So if it's fishing, if it's playing ball, if it's playing chess, whatever, we spend more time at work, you know? And sometimes at work, man, work can can bring certain levels of stress. Uh, it can bring some levels of fulfillment, regardless, because you don't have to have a therapist when things are going bad. You can just have right. a therapist to help you walk through life. Absolutely. Um, and so when it comes to higher education, though, there are a lot of mixed emotions that can come around with that, especially if you're in it for student success. You know, when you get me, me when I came into higher ed, me working as a counselor, me working as a resident uh, advisor, resident director, I had very close contact with students. So I was building, you know, great relationships. And when there are things that were going on that I couldn't understand why there wasn't as much support or so much red tape that was going on in, in place to mm -hmm. move the needle and working with students. Uh -huh. I used to talk about administration, like the problem was administration. Right. Well, over time, you realize that the higher you go up, because I never had any intentions to go up. And I remember my previous vice president told me, he said, yo, Jasmine, he said, it's, it's, it's three things. He said, either you're born in, you're born a leader, you're developed to be a leader, or leadership is thrust upon you. You didn't even ask for it. And so I'm one of those ones that didn't ask for it, me to be in the position that I'm in, because I have no doctorate and I have not been in the game 25, 30 years. So for me to come into being an AVP at the age of 35, it's just really not common, you know what I mean? Right. And so going back to my to what I was saying, when you start working with students and you start to go up, you come a little disconnected from students because you're no longer working with them in that direct format. Right. Uh, and so as you go up, you start to affect change by policies changing, procedures changing. Now, granted, you can still connect and work with students in your own special way if you know how to create a lane, which I which I do. I go to SGA meetings, student programs. I sit in there and have conversation because I know that's where I am in, at my core. But going right. back to having a therapist, yo, you when you become what you used to complain about, that is some challenges, you know what I mean? And when mm -hmm. you become an administrator, you're seeing things from a hundred thousand level view. And the people who are down in that 10,000 level view who don't really understand what's going up at the top, there can be some 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 cognitive dissonance going on. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so you're sitting here juggling through that double consciousness. You know what I mean? Like, OK, I got to make a business decision that's in the best interest of the whole institution five, 10 years from now, but I'm really concerned in my feelings about this situation going on over here with this particular student, you right. know? And so sometimes you have to be able to process those feelings, you know, when you have those days of like, I don't want to play chess with the next assistant vice president because I want to get funding to address student uh, sexual assault on campus, which right. is sexual assault is something for me personally that goes back to me at the age of five, you know what I mean? Right. It's like I got to disconnect from my feelings. So is my emotional intelligence in place? Do I have somebody to help, you know, walk me through this so I don't allow my, my emotions to dictate my decision making? Because right. uh, one of my closest partners, and he said it, and I love it, he said emotions are indicators, not decision makers. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? And so, you know, those are the kind of things that having a therapist can help you through. And I think that they all, you know, marry one another, having a mentor, an executive coach, and a therapist in place, you know. 
Say that one more time. Emotions are what? Emotions are indicators and not decision makers. Bro, that's a bar. Yeah. Bro, yeah. that's a bar. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Emotions are indicators, not decision makers. God, be. Yeah. God, that's a bar. Man, I'm like sitting in that just like thinking like, dang. Yeah. That's a bar right there. That's 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 big. I like yeah. that. I like that. I like that. Okay, real quick, man. I got to take a break. Okay. Pay some bills real quick, um, and then we'll get right back into it. All right? Bet. What's up, guys? Listen, this is the Class in Session podcast. Again, the Class in Session podcast. That's right. Y'all know what we're here for. Y'all know what we're about, right? This is the Class in Session podcast. But listen, I need you to do three simple things for me. And it'll take under five seconds. I need you to like, subscribe, and leave a comment. All right? I need you to like, subscribe, and leave a comment. I'm going to say it one more time for the people in the back in case y'all didn't hear me. I need you to like, subscribe, and leave a comment. All right? And listen, it takes less than five seconds for you to do that. And if you love what we're doing, you love the value that we're adding, you love the impact that we're making in the education space, share it with your network, all right? Because at the end of the day, we want to add value. And that's what it's about, all right? So listen, guys, this is the Class and Session Podcast, and we need y'all to like, subscribe, and leave a comment, all right? All right, Jasmine. So let me ask you this. If there was one thing, and when I say, when I say this, this isn't just for your campus specifically this is for all institutions all across the board okay if you was to meet with the the, the uh the department of education he was meeting with the secretary and he says hey mr spain uh we we have you know met we have talked we've read over the information that you've provided we will give you one thing that we will change and implement immediately and it will go all across the board for all college institutions and higher ed um, institutions. What would that one thing be? To have the uh, majority of, you know, majority of institutions don't really, the, the, the demographic of the students in the classroom don't mirror the, uh, the faculty that instruct and teach. And so for there to be an equal balance there, you know, to actually take into consideration that if you got a, a room full of black boys, you know, um, a room full of Asian girls, that they need Asian teachers. They need an Asian female teacher if they can be much more intent about it. Um, because people, you know, uh, they, they, they can't be what they don't see, you know? And so having that clear understanding that image and influence and being able to relate uh, plays a major role in the student success. Kind of going back to the conversation at the beginning, it's not that students aren't aren't um, aren't smart, but it's the external factors. You know, we talk about food insecurities, homelessness, lack of transportation, et cetera. You know, um, but let's talk about on campus. Let's talk about you know me being able to walk across campus and see somebody that looks like me. Even even if in my position, like I have a hat and a t-shirt on, um, and I wear this on campus at times. Because me being able to have my hat on like this, or I usually rock my joint to the back, me being able to, but students being able to see that, whether it's a, a male or female, you know, it's like, okay, he's human. You know, he's the AVP, but bruh, it's human, you know? And I don't even, you know, some students, they call me Mr. Spain. 
Some of them call me bruh. Some of them call me Jasmine. I have no problem with that because it's just a title. I have levels of influence, but I also am human. You know, I'm a person first. You know, I didn't like people may see the glory, but they don't know the story, you know. And so being able to, you know, say that because I look, I am a black male. There are other black males on campus, especially at PWIs. They don't see too many that look like me. They don't see too many who look like you. So to be able to connect and not and not have the barrier of my suit and tie on, because that can bring barriers in itself. But just to see my face is important, you know, for a young sister, a black sister to see another black female in place in a place of administration, but especially in the classroom. Students spend more time in the classroom on a college campus than anywhere else. So not only to receive instruction, but to see somebody that looks like us is important, you know, because they look at us as images of success. It may not be success in the actual field that we're seeking to go into, but there's an image of success that somebody wants to instruct, somebody wants to teach, somebody who wants to impart wisdom, plant seeds, and ultimately have office hours that make it more welcoming for me to come behind closed doors and really tell you my dreams, my hopes, my aspirations, my failures, how I can improve, what I need to continue to do to, you know, reach the goals I have set, cry, smile, you know, really pour out their feelings, emotions. Um, I mean, I mean, I, I, I'm really big on um, representation. You know, if I had to sum it up, representation matters, bro. And so what I would do is I would take that money. I would be very intentional about how we write job descriptions because you got all these jobs that say that, yo, I, we can't we can't discriminate and, you know, put out there that, you know, we're hiring for a um, a Hispanic female. You know what I'm saying? We can't say that. However, you can write that job description that can say this position is for, you know, uh, we're, we're being very intentional about uh, those who of the Hispanic population that have lived and learned experiences. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like it doesn't have to necessarily say, you know, Hispanic female, you know, mm -hmm. so but being very intentional about changing those kind of policies to put people in place to instruct these students that look like them. I love that. OK. All right. All right. So representation. So if you met with the Department of Ed, you would say, hey, listen, I want representation for all college institutions um, across the country. And that's what they would have to do. All right. OK. I, I, I take that as equality. Right. That's what I take that as. I like that. OK. Equality. All right. I'm, I'm picking up what you're laying down. All right. Mm -hmm. I got you. All right. right. Good deal. <laughs> so. Let me ask you this. Let, let me let me ask you this. I want to I want to well well let me let me not cut you off, Logan, because I think that you you're hitting the head on equality. Um but I'm also speaking on equity. You know, equity, bruh, is best way that I can explain it. Equality is everybody has a pair of shoes. So the representation is that um, okay, we have uh equality along those lines, but equity is that. Equality is everybody has a pair of shoes, but equity is that everybody has a pair of shoes that fit. You okay. know? Yeah. And, I get it. And, yeah. And so I just wanted to to just for the people who, who may not understand the equity side of things, because I think that people kind of, you know, confuse the two, that there's a difference. And, you know, me having a size 12 when I wear a size 10 versus me having to wear a size 10 and, you know, being a size 10, you know what I'm saying? makes a big difference, you know? So. Absolutely. I think yeah. that when you, when you break it down like that, I think that that's big, right? Because if you got a person 
that wears a 10, right, and they're given a 12, now they're uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Now they're not able to do their job properly, right? right. right. Now they don't have, like, like what we talked about earlier, like they don't have those basic needs. Mm -hmm. So now, because they don't have those basic needs, now that puts them at a disadvantage because now they have to figure out how can I get a 10? Right. So I get it. I, I get it. I understand. I think that yeah. that's, I think, okay. Yeah. Because we're just kind of, kind of talking about the faculty. If you have, let's say if we want just representation on a college campus, okay, if we got, if 25% if of our student population are black or 25% of our population are of quote unquote of color, mm -hmm. then they may say, well, your representation is I have 25% of my population who work in grounds, who are a public safety, mm -hmm. um, who are maintenance, uh, who are housekeeping. They'll right. say, well, you got your representation because we got 25% there. Right. But the equity of it is 25% are in the classroom teaching. You know right. what I'm saying? Absolutely. So, so, so I like, I like, I like how we're, we're, we're aligning on this. You know what I'm saying? I like Absolutely. I yeah, like yeah no, I get it. I get it. It makes sense because it's like, yo, like, yeah, like you said, like everybody has a pair of shoes. Okay. That's great. Mm -hmm. But everybody's shoes don't fit. Right. Right. Everybody mm -hmm. has, everybody gets a textbook, but not everybody has the same textbook. Right. You get what I'm saying? And so I think that that's important because like you said, like, yeah, the equality and stuff is great, but it's like, yo, it's, it's a little bit deeper than that. So can we take, you know, can we just, can we just take an extra few steps or can we just give an extra few dollars so that that way that representation matters to people of color, to, you know, white kids to Asian kids to the blue kids to the purple kids like whatever the case may be right and right. so I think that that's important so I definitely I agree with you we are we are in alignment with that yeah. um but I want to take a detour right I want to take a detour I know we're talking about higher ed and everything like that but I want to talk about the two uh businesses that you have right with right. the nonprofit of you good bro of course people see the the background. Um, and then the main initiative. I want to I want to talk about that. Let's let's touch on that uh, for a brief second. And Ken, so can you explain to people and tell people what the main initiative is? Yeah. Uh, so the main initiative, it's like again, like I said, it started out as a, um, a retention and student success uh, model uh, for black males in higher education. Um, and so over time, you know, uh, things have morphed. Uh, so because as as I evolved. Uh, the main initiative evolved because the needs were much more greater than just working with black males uh, in higher education. You start to see that black males needed something a little sooner. So, you know, putting in strategies for high school students, because I believe in the pipeline. I believe in the pipeline from middle school to high school, from high school to college and, th and uh, so forth into the corporate world. When I say corporate, you know, just post-graduation, um, you know, and going into the workforce. Then it was started to become conversations about equity, inclusion, diversity, um, and so how that plays a role. And so based on my learned experiences and lived experiences, um, it was easy to kind of make that transition to have these conversations about how uh, those factors play a role in students getting a, uh, getting a degree, students achieving their educational um, goals. And then that kind of morphed into, OK, well, you know, I'm advocating. 
Um, I'm also doing some consulting to have these conversations, but there's still no structures in place because if I really had to, you know, peel it, you know, really break it down, Logan, I'm, I'm more of a structures person. I'm a person who puts the entity in place. Let me help you create it. Now, granted, I can help you walk through the implementation process, but I don't want to take that away from you to be able to do that. But I can help you put the structure in place. I can tell you who to talk to. Now, who that person may be on your campus and what kind of relationship you have is one thing. But this is, if I take the lay of the land from education from a high school perspective, my experiences with that, but also my very in-depth experiences on a college campus, um, I can pretty much lead you and guide you in the right way. So I, I just say all that to say about the main initiative, that is really what it encompasses, a personal and professional development agency that does consulting. Um, and I also do provide uh, events, conferences, summits. Um, we just held our fifth annual main summit. Uh, we just had Dr. Steve Perry uh, with Capital Prep from Connecticut. Uh, I think everybody, for the most part, that works in that population or in that in that lane of of underrepresented students, you know, he's 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 kind of been a very strong champion for that. So he was our keynote, and um, his his theme and his topic was that uh, telling a young person that they have potential is an insult. You know, mm. uh, you know, we we can talk about that a little later, but um, but that ultimately kind of transitions to you, good bro. Uh, you good bro was actually under the umbrella of the main initiative initially because we had what's called upper echelon. Upper echelon is the high school component. Then you had the main initiative, which was the college component. So we needed something for black men because um, and black men needed an opportunity to have some some discussions. Of course, you know, middle school, high school and college students can have these discussions. But there's some black men out here who have some deep rooted stuff that they never came out and talked about, you know. And so you have this little boy inside of this 40, 50 year old man that they never dealt with the trauma that they experienced when they were coming up, you know. And so they find themselves in positions where they're mentoring young men. They are find themselves as being husbands, being fathers, you know, and they just haven't dealt with what it is that they experience coming up. And it comes out in certain ways. It's going to come out. Whatever it is that you've taken in and you haven't dealt with, it's going to come out. So we needed to create a space for men to actually have these conversations, man. Um, and so that's where the you good bro component came from. But I, I didn't it didn't sit well to just for it to just sit as an entity under the main initiative. This needed to be something separate, you know? And so um, after prayer um, and fasting, you good bro became a nonprofit, you know, whereas the business side of things for me to do the consulting that I do um, some speaking engagements, I really try to stay away from that unless I really feel called to do it. Cause I really believe in staying in my lane. Um, you know, anything outside of that, you know, um, very heavy in the personal development side of things, spiritual development side of things. Um, that stuff is really my consulting side, you know, but the main, I mean, but you good bro is something totally different. You good bro um, is something where, you know, we don't look for any type of revenues uh, generated um, or anything of that nature, man. This is about the, all of it's about the develop, development, the holistic development. Um, but when it comes to you good bro that's something totally different man um that's that's more peeling back those layers it's more um you know just really really addressing some real core matters um essentially the, the, to be able to say if somebody asks you okay you are you good bro you can actually say yes and mean it you know and so i really tapped into that 
side of, of things. I don't know if that really answers your question because I really feel like I'm rambling a little bit, you know, um, and really trying to make sense of it, of things. But that's essentially the difference between the two. Uh, but they both are, are are truly dedicated to improving the quality of life of, of people, um, especially black men. Man. I, I'm a really firm believer that, you know, um, if we can really address matters that we need to, um, the black family is better. Um, our communities are better. Um, we're healthy. We're whole. And, um, and we can kind of prevent, you know, um, any generational challenges that we deal with on a day-to-day basis from getting beyond our kids, you know, because um, I'm a believer, like, like, you know, like Frederick Douglass says, man, it's easier to build strong children than to repair broken men, you know, um, and I'm really all in about, you know, brothers being good. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, bro, you, 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 you hit the nail in the coffin with that, uh, the, the 40 50 year old men and they haven't you know really dealt with the internal uh trauma that they experienced with their little boy that was um that was me right like that was one of the reasons why i started going to therapy in 2018 uh was because the trauma i experienced like it was it was a burden on me you know what i'm saying and it was it was weighing so heavy on me because it was just like, yo, like, oh, this happened. And then I'm just kind of like shrugging it off and I'm not dealing with it. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I experienced this. Um, okay. Oh, you experienced it too. And nobody talks about it. You right. know what I'm saying? And we just kind of just sweep it under the rug. And so I know for me, man, like going to therapy, I can, I can attest to it. Like that's one of the reasons on why I'm going to school to get my master's is because I want to be I, I want to be a therapist. Mm-hmm. And it was my therapist that helped me get to this point and make this decision. And so I'm like, yo, like I seen the work that it's done for me. I'm like, yo, I need to do this for other people. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, you know, the the initial the 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 foundation was my trauma and then the straw that broke the cramp that broke the camel's back for me to enter therapy was because I had a car accident and I had a car accident and there were three of us involved. And out of three of us, um, the, the other people, it was me in the truck by myself. And then two other individuals, one was a kid, which was in middle school. And the other one was his, was his stepbrother, which was like 19, 20, something like that. Well, the kid, the kid died. And the PTSD that it got that I got from it, the the blaming myself, not being able to sleep, the the trauma behind it, like my my mental space was just like, yeah, I can't do this. And I can remember going to therapy for a year and a half before I finally opened up to my therapist. Yeah. And then when I real and then when I started to open up to him. Boom, we get into that. We get COVID happens. Mm-hmm. So now I really have to unpack, you know what I'm saying? My stuff um, because I didn't have anywhere to go. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, before before COVID, I was able to sweep that stuff under the rug because I stayed on the go so much. Right. But when COVID happened, it forced me to sit down. It forced me to look at the things internally it forced me to look at the things that were that were in my closet right that were in my room the things that i that i swept up under the rug 
and it forced me to deal with it. I had to sit there with my own thoughts. You know what I'm saying? I had to sit there with my loneliness and not lower my standards, not lower my value. You know what I'm saying? And and really have those tough conversations with my therapist and with myself. You know what I'm saying? To the point where it was like I was having conversations with my little boy because I'm like, yo, like, why why did we not use our voice? Right. Like, why do you feel like you're not valued? Why do you feel like you less than? Why do you feel like you're not loved? Why do you feel like you need to seek validation, affirmation and confirmation from individuals? Right. And so it was like, yo, like, what in the world? So for me, COVID was a blessing. Because it forced me, it forced me to pull back those layers that on, that only I really knew that needed to be cut off. Right. So, bro, I, I I commend you, bro, for what you do. I tip my hat to you. I want to give you your flowers. You know what I'm saying? Why you can still smell them? I don't want. I don't want to give you your flowers when you transition from this earth, and then I have all these amazing things to say to say about you. No, I want to say that now. Because I want you to know that you matter. I want you to know that you are phenomenal. I want you to know that what you do matters. Because there's somebody out here that needs specifically what you have and they can't get it from nobody else. Right. So I appreciate how intentional you are with you good, bro. I appreciate how intentional you are with the main initiative. I appreciate how intentional you are with just walking out walking out and, be, and being the person that God has called you to be. Yeah. So I appreciate that, bro. Um, yeah. but man, listen, so we can talk about that all day, man, and I can <laughs> go into that all day. Um, but for people who don't know, uh, let's get back to the higher administration. You said an AVP. What is an AVP for people that don't know? Right. AVP um essentially is about two levels down from the president or the uh the chancellor, depending on the institution that you uh that you serve at. And so um, I'm essentially an extension of my vice president. Um, my vice president, uh, he sees things from, you got your president that sees from 100,000. My vice president may see it from 75. I see it from a 50,000, you know? Um, and so essentially what I do is I watch his back. You know, I take things off of his table, address uh, off of his desk so he can address and focus on larger issues. I'm just giving it to you straight. Right. Um, but as far as, the levels of responsibility. Mm-hmm. Um, that means that you take, I just use my institution, for example, um, we have merged, most institutions have a division of student affairs, a division mm-hmm. of academic affairs. Well, we happen to be the fifth largest community college right. in the state um, of North Carolina, and we have 58 community colleges. North Carolina has a hundred counties, but we have 58 community colleges. We're the third largest wow. community college system in the country. Wow. Um, and so uh, at my particular institution, uh, we've decided to merge academic affairs and student services, which is a little unusual for an institution uh, as large as ours. Mm-hmm. But um, the vision is, is that the one college model, you shouldn't have to, you can go to the division of student affairs or student services and get some of the same things that you can get from academic affairs, as opposed to operating in a silo, we decide to merge all of it together. So for my particular role, though, um, in student support, I oversee career services and workforce development, counseling services, uh, disability services. We, we we call it accessibility services instead of disability. We call it accessibility. 
um, student conduct, uh, Title IX, which is uh, sexual misconduct and sexual assault and sexual discrimination. Um, oversee student engagement and leadership. So you're talking about your student clubs and organizations. Um, I also oversee our minority male success initiative, uh, our recreation sports. Uh, some people call it intramurals. Uh, we just brought in esports. Esports is a big thing for the, uh, mm. the K-12 sector. And even when you go into higher education, we actually offer uh, scholarships, offering scholarships uh, for esports, man. Uh, really? And actually, yeah. And actually in the esports, what some people don't understand is that esports is a is a sport. It's actually a legit sport. In a lot of cases, in some institutions, it operates out of the athletics department, you know? Mm. And so they actually give scholarships for you to come to school to do esports because just like in, 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 in any other sport, they have conferences, right? Well, they got esports and you're actually operating the same conference that basketball, football, volleyball, you know what I'm saying? So, uh, which is really dope. Um, but, uh, but also oversee what's called TRIO, uh, most students who may go to college, they may be familiar with TRIO. TRIO is really catered towards the first generation student, a student with a disability or uh, students with uh, low income. Um, so I, I oversee those areas, but I also, um, I also oversee uh, the area of workforce development is very, very big. And I mentioned that before, um, because within uh, higher education, especially in community college, um, workforce development is essentially what the community college was designed for. Um, it's for those who may not be able to, especially us, those of us of color, you know, right. um, but also to, you know, prepare people for the workforce to be able to be not just quality citizens in their communities, but also to, you know, to 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 actually prepare people uh, to go to work, to be able to, especially depending upon where you are, we're big in industry, uh, manufacturing, agriculture over here, um, and so, being able to give people the, you know, the necessities that they need to, to go into the workforce, because everybody doesn't go into the higher education to get a degree to transfer. Right. Uh, right. Some of them want to get that short term quick certification so I can go to work in six months. You know what I mean? I got to take care of my family. Right. You know, so Absolutely. that's what's up, yeah. man. So uh, before we get up out of here, man, let people know how they can get in contact with you. Uh, if you mm -hmm. don't mind giving your contact information. Yeah, not a problem, bro. Um, for the higher education side of things, you can reach me uh, via email at jlspain, that's J-L-S-P-A-I-N, like the country, 125 at my.pitcc, so that's P-I-2-T-C-C dot E-D-U. Uh, but if you want to reach me um, for main initiative services, that's main acronym, so that's m.a.i.n.initiative at gmail.com. Uh, that's for main initiative services. Uh, for you good, bro, that's you good, bro, I-N-C. And that you is the letter U, G-O-O-D-B-R-O-I-N-C at gmail.com. Um, one other way to get up with me is uh, just to my website. Um, it's still going through a process of, um, you know, getting up to where I needed to be, uh, where I wanted to be, rather. Um, and that's at jasminespain.com. All right, wonderful. Y'all heard him. Listen, oh, go ahead. Yeah, and no, no, I was just gonna say, and, and honestly, you know, for the sake of this podcast, man, I know that you produce good fruit, and I know that you're not having, you know, um, anybody who, everybody that comes across that, because I checked, your, I, I checked the the, uh, the podcast out, and um, 
and 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 then you know and just you know straight up really logan like you moved me um in our prayer warriors global calls in the morning man so um i know you don't operate in no foolishness you know what i'm saying and so i'm willing i say all that to say is that my cell is 252-536-1926 for anybody that may want to link up with me that's directly to the hip that's not a google number that's not a pager that's not you know some jabber that comes with webex on your computer you know what i'm saying that's that's straight to the hip love bro i appreciate it man thank you man Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Listen, guys, he gave you his contact information. Listen, if you're interested in the main initiative, you're interested in you good, bro. If you're interested in higher education, listen, man, we brought Jasmine Spain on and he just literally dropped an atomic bomb on us. All right. Uh, but the last thing, Jasmine, before we get up out of here, can you leave our listeners with a piece of motivation? Yeah, um, definitely. Um Don't let um, your past, and, and, and this is very cliche, don't let the past affect your future, man. Um, don't, uh, because what you've experienced in your past only prepares you for your future, you know? Um, you may question, you know, why you why you went through these certain experiences, and, uh, and, and, and there's a story behind it. There's a reason why you had these experiences. Um, and you may not know right now, but if you operate in good faith, you know, you'll you'll understand why as time goes on. Um, and it's not all about you, those experiences. It may be to help somebody else who may be sitting on the couch about to blow their brains out. Somebody who was in a car accident where a passenger on the other side um, passed away. You know what I mean? There may be somebody who may come across that you may come across who's having the same challenges and you will be able to tell them your story. Um, of how you going through the process of liberation and the process of how you got through it um that will help them not do anything to you know to cause any harm to themselves man so um you know just not allowing your past to affect your ability to to proceed um in your future man so i love it y'all heard what he said don't let your past affect your future there's a reason why the windshield is bigger than a rearview mirror all right guys so listen, man, before we get up out of here, Jasmine, my brother, thank you so much, man. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for coming on to the podcast and dropping gems and giving our community some amazing information, um, learning about higher ed, learning about you good, bro, as well as the main initiative. So I really appreciate it. No doubt. I appreciate the opportunity, brother. All right, guys, listen, this is the Class of Session podcast. Listen, man, listen, 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 listen. I am your host, Logan Taylor. This is the Class and Session podcast. And in closing, like we always say, why be normal when you can be extraordinary? All right, guys. Peace. We'll see you next episode. I love y'all, man. Peace.